Well, thank you very much, Pastor Craig. I, I appreciate that. Um, there was one truth and one not so truth in that statement, and I'll let you decide. But honestly, we do love, we do love Starbucks. <laughs> so I wanted to welcome you tonight and thank you for letting me speak, Pastor Craig. Um, the message that I, that I feel that the Lord has called me to bring tonight started as a seed that was planted in my heart about three years ago. About three years ago, my wife and I and two of our six children, Gabriel and Sophia, were attending a small life group in Sherman, Texas. And that, that life group was hosted by Pastor Chet and Shirley Teal. And after some time, I got a phone call from Pastor Chet, and he said, Brother Brian, I would like for you to bring the word to life group next time. And I said, um, Pastor Chet, are you sure? <laughs> because I'm not a pastor, and I didn't go to Bible school. And he said, well, let me tell you this. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And with that, I agreed and has accepted his invitation to come and speak. But what I didn't recognize at that time was answering that call was like getting dropped right into the middle of a spiritual battle. And what happened over the next two weeks was, was a tremendous learning experience for me. And it really was the, the start and culmination of the message that you're about to hear tonight. And it's been a three-year process. So during that two weeks, I had tried to come up with any possible excuse that I could think of to get out of bringing the word to life group. Because we all know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he was trying desperately to steal and kill that seed that had been planted in my heart to share a message. And in John 10.10, 10, Jesus reminds us of this, that the enemy does come only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And Jesus would know, uh, if, if we recall, when he was just an infant, uh, the devil tried to use Herod to take his life and destroy his ministry before it even started. So, friends, as followers of Christ, what I've learned is we need to wake up every day and put on the full armor of God. Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 7 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not of flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the evil of that day. 
and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Do we have any fans of Iron Man or the Avengers? I just want to imagine getting up out of bed every morning kind of rising to my feet and you know how Tony Stark does it he does it he does it so eloquently he just he just steps into those boots and next thing you know you just see the armor assembling up his legs around his waist breastplate shoulders helmet he doesn't have a shield Captain America's got the shield um, but we grab this this is how I start every day. Every day to start in the Word, to get things right, get myself right, get myself right with Him before I go out into the world. So I want to encourage you as we go out with our armor on and our sword to go out into our communities and to be with other Christians and to get involved with life groups so that we can lock arms with our brothers and sisters in Christ and prepare for battle. Because even in good ground, the enemy will try to steal what God has trying to sow. You know, I thought... I thought I was good ground when uh, Pastor Chet called me that day. And uh, I'll be honest, uh, my life, I've, I've had quite a bit of fertilizer. You know, it's, uh, it's not always been uh, sunshine and roses, but um, at the time I, I really thought that uh, I was good ground and had found that I had been quite ill-prepared until this time. but. During those two weeks, the, the Holy Spirit had done quite, quite a work on me. And in battling fear, insecurity, self-doubt, not feeling qualified, I brought the word to Chet and Shirley's life group that night. And it was really simple. When God calls... The answer is yes. So that's really what I want to share with you tonight is you are called. One thing I'd like to do, um, if y'all would honor me, is when I say, are you called, I would like for you to respond with, I am called. So if we could just practice real quick. Are you called? Are you called? Oh, thank you so much. So 
because tonight my goal is to show and hopefully illustrate to everyone that they all have a godly calling on their life. God has all called us to do something. And in preparation for tonight's message, I believe that I found there to be three types of callings. And next slide, guys. Corporate call, the individual call, and the situational call. And next slide, guys. Now, the corporate calling, as disciples of Christ, we are all called to go out and share the gospel with the world, right? And in Mark 16, verse 14 through 20, this story is really about the commissioning of the disciples after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So if we think back into that time and we see verse 14, we have the 11 disciples reclining at table. Now, in researching and, and prayer, praying about this message, um, I kind of tried to put myself in that position. What was it like in that room that night? And, and if you can imagine, it's, it's not a very uh, happy time. In fact, it's rather quite solemn. Jesus has been crucified. He's died. He's been buried. Judas has hung himself. They're all hanging out in the room, reclining at table. I can't imagine anybody's hungry. I, I, I wouldn't be hungry after all that just emotionally drained. And, and, and what we see is that there are reports coming back that Mary and Mary Magdalene have gone to the tomb. The tomb is open. They see an angel sitting there, and the angel tells them that Jesus has risen. And then to go to meet him in Galilee. So reports are going back to the disciples, and the disciples are hearing this, and, and, and I can't imagine, even today, the thought of somebody coming back to life is still, is still quite amazing. But back in that time, first century, um, it must have been very, very hard to believe. So they're, they're probably hearing these things and thinking, you know, this, this has got to be a really cruel joke. And... I think about Paul being the, the author of two-thirds of the New Testament, and I can imagine if, if he had a, a Facebook page or Instagram, you know, I can imagine the, his post being hashtag, worst Sabbath ever, you know. You know I, I can't imagine it being uh, that great a time, and, and I believe that it is a, a really somber scene because in verse 14 and 13, the scripture says that all that were told of Christ's resurrection didn't believe. They didn't believe. It, it, it was unfathomable. They, they couldn't comprehend the thought of, of summing, someone coming back to life, even though Jesus brought Lazarus back to life. And, and at that time... 
something very, very incredible happens. Jesus actually shows up in the room. And, and what the Scripture tells us is that He gives them a command. And that command is in verse 15. And He, Jesus, said to them, the disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's the command. And later on in verse 20, it says, They went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. So if we look at the order of events in the passage, try to reconcile it in my mind, put myself in the disciples' shoes, and when Jesus commissions them, the first thing they do is they raise their hand. Yes, me. I want to do Jesus' way. Amen? I want to do it his way. The second thing is they, they go out. They go forth. They're obedient. They took action. As Brother James Brown recently shared with us, they broke the huddle and ran the play. And the third thing is that they were in partnership with God. God came alongside them and worked side by side with them. And number four, there was fruit. The signs that followed. So they agreed to the calling. They took action. God came alongside and they bore fruit. Our corporate calling is not a solo expedition or voyage. You know, recently my family and I were out on Lake Texoma and we were out on the lake with some friends and it was just a beautiful day, much like today. Uh, sun shining, clouds in the sky, cruising along the boat, having a great time, getting some time out away from the office. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking out and I see this beautiful sailboat beautiful sailboat, multiple sails, just a beautiful, beautiful ship. And I feel like the Lord gave me an illustration. And with that, Brian, your life is like a sailboat floating down the river of life. But at the end of your river is a tree. And the size, the health, and the amount of fruit on that tree is completely dependent on you giving King Jesus the wheel. And I've pondered that for a few weeks, and I just, I, I thought about it, went home, drew up a sketch, had the whole picture in my mind, and I was like, well, gosh, you know, God, is this, is this something that I I thought of, or, or, is there, or is there something scripturally based that I can really hang my hat on as, as support? And, and, and he, gave me, he gave me a verse. It's Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will take, and he will be like a 
tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. Amen? Amen. I, I, I believe that. I believe that. So our second calling is the individual calling. Next slide, guys. See, we are all given gifts and talents by God to be used for His glory, for His kingdom. In 2 Timothy 1, Paul is writing to Timothy from prison. And when I was in my third semester of my freshman year in college, I had a criminal justice class, and we went to Folsom Prison to tour the facility there. And I was thinking about Paul's experience in prison versus what it was like in 1988. <laughs> and by sharp contrast, the prisoners or, or people in prison today, you know, they have three square meals, a bed. It was, it was nothing like that for Paul. In fact, it was, it was very harsh. And, but in, in verse 5, we see Paul, and it says he was filled with joy as he wrote, wrote to Timothy. And reminding Timothy of his, his sincere faith that he, Timothy, had gotten from his mother and grandmother. And in verses 6 through 9, it says... And for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus. For a week? For a month? No. For all eternity. In verse 6 through 9, Scripture tells us of our calling, purpose, and partnership with God. Does this sound familiar to the last segment we read about our corporate calling? Like when Jesus commissioned the apostles? Very, very much so. And to reaffirm that the calling on our life is not temporary, we see in Romans eleven twenty nine, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So he has called us with an individual calling, given us gifts, for us to use for his kingdom, and that cannot be taken away, ever. So I ask you, are you called? Are you called? Awesome. So the third calling that I found, next slide, guys, is situational calling. Creating holy moments in our daily lives that change the world. So, what is a holy calling, you ask? A holy moment 
is a moment when you open yourself up to God, you make yourself available to Him, you simply do what you pray, prayerfully believe God has put on your heart in that moment. Holy moments are actions of generosity, kindness, patience, courage, thoughtfulness, compassion for the weak, poor, and the least of these. In other words, see a need, fill a need. All four Gospels describe Jesus feeding the 4,000 and 5,000. And in each account, I recognized three recurring themes. The first one is when Jesus goes out He's filled with compassion. The second thing he does is he meets their physical needs. He feeds them. And the third thing that he does is he ministers to them. And this is repeated in all the Gospels. So how do we create a holy moment? Simple. Follow Christ's example as easy as one, two, three. Dedicate ourselves to creating holy moments. Recognize the extraordinary in the ordinary, the opportunity in the problem. Live lives of simple holiness defined by gentleness, thoughtfulness, generosity, courage, kindness, service to our community, and hospitality. When we, the church, the big C church, look out in our communities, whether we're here in Boswell, Oklahoma, or Sherman, Texas, or wherever we might be traveling or traveling from, it's important that we look at our communities and where we're at with the heart of Christ. When we can meet their physical needs, food, clothing, shelter, education, mentoring, advocacy, addiction counseling, job training, employment services. When we do this, we have an opportunity to share the good news and to bring the lost home. Being the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth is our calling. So are you called? Are you called? I'd like to leave you with this last verse of encouragement. In Joshua 1, nine, the Bible says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now I'd like to thank Pastor Craig again because I can now say I have some seasoning. <laughs> oh.
you are going to be called personally. You are going to be called individually. You're going to be called to a place where you realize, and I, and I posted this this morning in preparation for Brian's message, when the weight of your circumstance becomes the fuel of your purpose. What does that mean? The problem that you're sitting in right now, the situation that you're sitting in right now, is potentially the fuel of your purpose, the fuel of your calling. It is potentially the reason why God has put you on the face of the planet is to change the situation for others that you currently find yourself in. Oh, come on. Was that this day when you were preaching? Because you see, you're busy walking through that abuse right now, and you are getting some serious seasoning to make sure that you are well-skilled to be able to help somebody else through that same situation. Here's what makes it uniquely personal. Your history, your past, your DNA can be like nobody else's. So even if you walk into the same problem, slap bang into the same problem on the same date, the same time, the same moment as your neighbor, that problem can never, ever, ever be shared. Because you walk into that problem with your own history, your own DNA, which is unique. So when somebody says you've got a unique personal calling on your life, but I play guitar just like you do. No, 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 you don't play like I do because I don't have the history like you do. I don't have the DNA like you do. I don't have the past like you do. I don't have the same reason for picking up the guitar like you do. We might play the same song, the same chord, but we have a unique way of playing it. Am I making sense? And so when you hear Brian speak about an individual call, that it is completely unique if you don't bring the unique solution to the problem that your pains and past have put you in, you are, the, the world is dipping out. You, you are taking away from what others can do and what others can learn from you. I don't know about you, but when I ask my son not to do something, it's usually because I'm trying to protect him from going through the same kind of pains I went through. If I just had to sit back and go, yeah, I also lost my right index finger when I used a knife like that. You go ahead. Go for it. Do what you want to do. That's not very cool, is it? In fact, it's quite cruel. And yet individually, we let our past and our hurts and our previous histories prevent us from responding to that personal call because we think we are disqualified. Now, I don't have an index finger. I'm disqualified from telling anybody else how to not use the knife. Stupid, right? Because of my abuse, because of my history, because of my pains, I'm just going to sit here in the corner with my little personal calling that's been defined by Brian, and I'm going to watch the whole world go by and feel sorry for myself. That's not how we respond to a personal calling. Paul responded to the personal calling by saying, you know what, when I feel weak, then I'm strong. When I'm feeling hurt, when I'm feeling pain, when I'm feeling all of these histories, that is when the moment arrives for you to step up to your personal call. The very thing that keeps you up at night is the very thing that will propel you towards God's purpose for your life. Hey, how cool is that? And I, I got this. The thing that kept me up at night, once I aligned it to the God's purpose, 
I slept like a baby. My finances, Lord. Once he aligned my finances to the way he does finances and I gave it all away, I had nothing to worry about anymore. In South Africa, the safety and security bill on my home with personal protection because of the level of executive I was at the bank was the equivalent of a full month's salary every month of a senior secretary at the bank. That was just my security bill. Amen. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't have to worry about coming up with that money anymore. I don't have to worry about, did the alarm get armed? Is, is my bodyguard in place before I go? Is this happening? Is that happening? Can I go into that area without being hijacked and kidnapped? Can I go and visit this African country without this government kidnapping me and holding me ransom to my company? Can you imagine all the stresses and strains? But because of that history, because of that past, because of what I went through, I can now step up at a corporate level and breathe kingdom into businesses like maybe nobody else can. But I could just go, oh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a little pastor in a little town. No, no, no. My histories, my past, the things that I do make my purpose. And if I don't respond, the world is dipping out. And God's going to have to revert to getting rocks to cry out. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be the one that offers advice, guidance, counsel, than some rock crying out. Amen? The second area is when we get so on fire for our personal call, and we put that together with all the other personal calls that there are, we get this corporate wave that becomes a social media movement that changes the world. If you don't bring your personal joy for serving Jesus into this room, how is it possible that we can be jointly the church? We're just a whole bunch of gripers and moaners. Oh, the weather's so hot. Go home and read Eeyore. You don't come into this church complaining about your pasts and your histories you come into this church celebrating the fact that God has turned your past into a testimony. There's your personal call right there. How is it that my past hurts can become my testimony? When I come and share that testimony with other people who are sharing their testimonies together, we have a corporate move of God. Not when the pastor preaches well or when the right guest speaker comes in, or when the right prophetic word is shared. No, no, no. When you bring in your joyful testimonies unto the Lord, then they will be saved by the word of your testimony and the blood of the Jesus Christ that we serve. That's when it becomes a corporate calling. Now as a group, we can move in a direction because we're happy about being together. Am I making sense? And then finally... When I get the moment of, and this is the, the revelation I wanted to share with you from, from Sunday, and, and Brian reminded me about it. But when I'm in the moment 
I can respond in my purpose and either kill an Egyptian, yeah, or I can respond in my purpose and liberate my people. I read carefully that moment of the burning bush where Moses gets his calling. And in there, it's, he's talking to the Lord and he's saying, how can I speak, Lord? Now, remember, Moses isn't talking to try and make an excuse to get out of going back to Egypt. He's looking to talk to the Lord to make sure that when he goes back to Egypt, it's going to work out. Because last time it didn't work out too well for him. That's why he's talking to God like that. He's not going, I don't want to go. No, his calling was wired to go. His personal calling was wired to go. Let me tell you something. When Moses took his personal calling back to Israel and Israel got their worship ready together, their corporate calling bust them out of Egypt. Am I making sense? So he's sitting there and he's not talking to the father to say, hey, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. He's talking. He's making sure he's got all the plans. But the conversation changes. He's talking about all the physical. How do I speak? How will I do this? How will I do that? Will I have enough money? Do I have enough clothing? And he's talking all the physical stuff. And then he says, and how will they know that you are the most high God? While we're worrying about the physical stuff, we can't step into the supernatural stuff. Because the moment Moses says, I'm going to go, God gives him supernatural capabilities. God gives him supernatural power. He takes care of the physical. Until such time as you realize that the physical has been taken care of by God, when you give him credit for taking care of the physical, he gives you the supernatural. When you can steward what is least, he will give you what is most. Am I making sense? Our stewardship is our response to the call of God in our lives. If we can steward our physical call well, our jobs, our families, our marriages, if we can steward our physical call well, watch him give us a supernatural call. But we're so busy whining that we haven't got the supernatural call of God yet because we haven't been faithful in what at least. It's pretty plain how we are to run our marriages. God doesn't need to supernaturally give you the Holy Spirit to tell you how to run your marriages. Read Ephesians 5. God doesn't have to tell you what the breakdown of giving and receiving is. God doesn't have to tell you how to treat your neighbor. God doesn't have to tell you. When somebody has done something wrong towards you, and you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, what must I do? And there's silence. That's because the Lord is so ticked off of having to tell you over and over and over and over again to love your enemy that he's just going, no more, I'm done. When you're praying for something and you're not getting anything from the Lord, know that he's told you how to do it before. How many of you as a parent get to a point where I, I've, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. If I've told you once, says the Lord, I've told you a thousand times. There's a whole stack of stuff that God has called you to be that's plain and simple. You can ask him how to implement it. You can ask him how best to say it. You can ask him how best to do it. But until such time as you start doing it and give him glory for doing it, you're never going to step into the supernatural calling of God in your life which is the situational calling. 
Why, why is supernatural situational? Have you ever been that moment where you just know as you know you've got to do something? You just know as you know I've got to step out, I've got to pay for, I've got to give, I've got to take, I've got to say. I've... That's when you start sitting in the supernatural. That's when you start flowing in the gifts. That's when you start working in a supernatural situational moment where you know you don't have the means, but God says give, and you give, and all of a sudden you've got the means. Why? Because you've been stewarding your finances according to how God's been asking you to, and as a result, He can trust you with a supernatural situation that, that calls you to do something. Am I making any sense to you tonight? I hope we're translating what, what Brian's saying into some practical stuff, because what Brian gave you is power. You've got to understand that the process of stepping into your calling is not about having this ooh-ah moment to know exactly what you've got to do. Can you imagine if you get the calling from God in your life to build a 500-member high school in Boswell, to equip it and put teachers in it, and you get to the moment of 45 years of age where the 500th student arrives at the school the school is fully equipped with all it teaches, properly built, and there's 500 students in it. You've reached your purpose. Now what? Your purpose isn't about arriving. It's about the journey with God in listening to the calling. It's about wrestling with Him every day. What am I doing today, Lord? What's on the agenda today, Lord? Where are we going today, Lord? What have I got? To get? Hey, I've got to get my marriage. I've got to do this. I've got a father. I've got a mother. I've got to be better. I've got to, I'm going to get there. For how do we do this? Who do I speak to? How do I speak? Lord, where am I going? I just want to give you glory. Oh, there's a situation. Holy Spirit, boom, I laid hands and they were healed. Man, I don't care if I got no money. I go to bed sleeping well tonight. Am I making sense to you? And so I hope and pray tonight that as we unpack this calling thing, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be understanding that your desires, your past, your histories, your hurts are the best ingredient for the divine calling of God in your life.